Deuteronomy chapter 5. Somebody better move that cord because I will flat trip on it. Amen. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm like an accident looking for a place to happen lately. But thank the Lord. I appreciate the two good messages last Sunday morning. Uh, the exegesis of the book of Jude and then Brother um, uh, Kevin had the nerve to preach on no mass allowed. And it was good on hypocrisy. Thank the Lord. And they made it in after 88 hours uh, yesterday and because they were delayed uh, two or three days because of Germany's um, restriction on COVID. And instead of 72 hours, they said you had to have 48 hour uh, since you had a uh, non-positive test. And so they couldn't get on the plane with all those bags and all those children. They had to turn around and come back to Dalton, get retested. And then Wednesday they flew out. And they made it back in. Saw the video, and it reminded me of heaven. Uh, I tell you what, they were so excited about seeing their uh, missionary back, but also Mama was so excited about seeing her daughter uh, back. And I tell you, that's precious. I know exactly, I almost know exactly how they feel, amen? And uh, I've got a daughter over in South Africa, and so we miss her very much, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, we're preaching a series of messages on why is the family important, and I skipped this message on purpose uh, for this morning because I wanted to preach it to uh, uh, all our church family, except those in the junior church and, of course, the preschool church, but uh, I hope they'll listen to it on way of, uh, on what, uh, by video or by uh, internet, and uh, so uh, we're, we're preaching a series on why the family's important. Number one, the family's important because... Uh, Genesis 18 says it's the foundation for society. It's the foundation for society. As goes the family, goes society. I want to tell you what's wrong with our society today as the families are fractured, falling apart. And I want to tell you something. They don't, uh, children are not t uh, taught and they're not learning the fear of God. The fear of God will keep you from shooting somebody else. The fear of God will keep you from uh, looting and burning up stores and destroying people's livelihood. The fear of God will keep you in church uh, on Sunday morning if you fear God. And then second of all, Brother Cody, the, uh, the family is important because it's the Father's priority. In Genesis chapter 2, the first institution was the family. As goes the family, goes society, but as goes the family, goes the church. I want to tell you something, it's the foundation, amen? And then third of all, uh, it's... it's um, it's the focus of the devil. As soon as Genesis 2 is over, of course, chapter 3 starts, and the devil attacks the family, and they began to blame each other. Even Adam said, the woman made me do it. Don't that sound like a great man? Just blame everything on the wife. Hallelujah. But uh, folks, it's the focus of the devil's fight. And then fourth of all, uh, we're, we're in the message today, it frees us to minister to other families. We skipped that and went to chapter uh, number 5. And it frees us to be effective leaders. Folks, I want to tell you something. Families reach families. If your family's not right, it's not very uh, a good example uh, for non-Christians. And so uh, they know that we're disciples because we love one another. And folks, I want to tell you something. Your family's important because somebody, you're the best family they know. You're the best family they know. So it frees you to minister. Your family's right. You can say, hey, listen, I'll tell you what makes my family right. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, being in a local church that believes the Word of God. And then this morning, 
I want to go back to uh, number four in this series, and I want to preach on it's the future. It's the future for your children. I want to tell you something, friend. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If he lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If he lives, uh, uh, if a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. And I want to tell you something, if you don't like yourself, then you don't like your creator. And that's rebellion against God. You ought to accept yourself, amen? I don't mean you get in the mirror and you look in the uh, mirror and hug yourself or, or men think you're God's gift to uh, uh, women. That's not, that's not liking yourself. Matter of fact, uh, that's not even pride. That's a wild imagination, <laughs> amen? But anyway, if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love. And so, folks, how's your child living? I'll tell you how he's living, how you're living. And I want to tell you something. Here is a nation that's about to be established and the Lord gives some commandments. And I want you to direct your attention to chapter 5, verse 29. That's why it's very important that you marry right. It's very important that you uh, stay right, and that you minister in the fullness of the Spirit of God to your wife or husband, because I want to tell you something, your children will reap the consequences. I want to tell you something, one out of two marriages do not last in Dalton, Georgia. That's a shame. That's one out of two marriages in the world do not last. And folks, I want to tell you something. A child deserves a mom and daddy together in love with God. You ought to love the same person. You ought to love God. Wife ought to love God. Husband ought to love God. Then we love each other and we love our children. It's a wonderful family. I tell you what, I don't know what I'd do without my, Christian, my, my loving wife and my patient wife and uh, my spirit-filled wife. I'm glad she wants to go to church this morning. I'm glad she's involved in everything, too much probably. And uh, we just thank God for uh, uh, our four children. Uh, we've raised up in the nurture and ambience of the Lord, and uh, so far, so good. I know the devil's trying to, uh, to capture every one of them, but I want to tell you this, friend. Between age one and seven, it's very important that you keep your children under the sound of the gospel, under the teaching of the word of God, and give them an example. And that's what every child should have, a godly, spirit-filled home. The greatest security is that mom and daddy love God, love each other, and they'll always be together. That's the greatest security for a child. Say amen right there. Some of you just went through the trauma of divorce. Your parents went one way and, you were shuffled at 6.30 on Sunday afternoon for visiting hours. And it breaks your heart, don't it? And it does some damage. And folks, I'm not trying to bring up any wounds. I'm just trying to prevent future wounds. And folks, we need to preach that marriage is sacred and marriage is from God and marriage should be full of God's love. That's what I'm going to preach on this morning. Your family's important because it's the future for your children. Let's stay in all the Word of God, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. Next week, we'll be presenting three Bibles. 
uh, Brother Jody's daddy went to be with the Lord, and uh, they put Brother Jody on third shift. Y'all pray for him. He was so excited about coming back to church, and they swiped him, shift him to third shift. Can't find anybody to work these days. So they take the best workers and put them on the graveyard shift. Oh, man, if I had to go on third shift, I'd still be asleep. Amen. <laughs> you know, but thank God uh, for these precious families that are going to come next Sunday. Let's pray every one of them come. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. Oh, that there were such a heart in them. Listen, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Skip on down to verse 1 of chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether I go to possess it. He's setting the foundation for a great society. He says that thou mightest fear the Lord, underline that, to keep all the statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son. Nothing like grandchildren. Say amen, Brother Mark. Ezra Jude's in the nursery, isn't he? Amen. Nine pounds, eight ounces. What a good message to, to hear this morning, Daddy. It says, I commend thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that, they, that they, thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that it may increase that ye might increase mightily as the Lord God of the of thy fathers has prospered thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's a great lesson for children. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, and with all thy what? Might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That sounds like all the time. Say amen. And it says, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, Thou shalt be as frontless between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of, say the next two words with me, thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sweared unto his fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not and wells dig, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest ye forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord, thy God, and serve him, and shall swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, and the gods of the people which are round about. Uh, for the Lord thy God is a jealous God. Think about that for a second. He's a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face 
of the earth. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for these divine instructions for a great society. God, for wonderful homes and for children just to be happy and holy and fulfilled and, Lord, blessed by godly parents, godly parents who train up their child the way they should go. And so, Lord, please help us this morning as we preach this message to realize the family is very important. Our relationship with our mate is very important. And dear God, because it's the future for our family. God, thank you for a godly mother. Lord, thank you for my daddy being saved. Lord, he said on his deathbed, the only regret I have is I only lived seven years. I wish I'd have got saved when I was younger. And so Lord, help us not to have regrets. But God, help us to be diligent and faithful when it comes to loving each other, loving you, and loving our children. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice, first of all, the instructions of the law. I'm glad the Bible teaches us something. I'm glad the Bible's not uh, full of uh, suggestions, but full of commandments. And the reason he has commandments is because they're boundaries of protection. Folks, you'll go by God's book, your family will be solid. You go by God's book, and your family will be happy. If you'll go by God's book, your children will turn out right for his glory. I want you to see, first of all, in verse 1, the command for the instruction. The command for the instruction. It says in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, look at it now. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgment which your Lord God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land, whether ye go possess it. He said, these are the instructions. These are the judgments. These are the commandments. God has a plan for your marriage. And God has a plan for your children. And I want to just say this. If he thought of marriage, surely he has a plan for marriage. And by the Holy Ghost, he has the power for marriage. Say amen. You cannot obey God without the power of the Holy Ghost. You cannot uh, be obedient without God's power in your life. And so it's essential. It's just essential that we realize that God has some commandments. And folks, the commandments go with some great promises. Look at chapter, verse 2. Verse 2, the Bible says this. It says in uh, chapter 6, And thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all thy statutes and his commandments, which I've commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son. Isn't grandchildren something else? Amen. Praise God. It says, all the days of thy life and thy days may be prolonged. I see in verse 2 that thank God when you instruct your children and when you go by God's commandments and you teach your children there's some great benefits. Number one, to fear God. You know, that summarizes all the child-rearing books. That summarizes all the uh, instruction I could ever give you on marriage or, or on child-rearing is that you need to teach your children to fear God. Now, folks, I know that they're going to have to fear you before they fear God because they don't know God yet, but they know you. 
And folks, the fear of God is not that he's going to kill you any minute. The fear of God is not that daddy's going to kill you in just a minute. The fear of God is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. Amen? And I believe we ought to respect each other. And that will free your house to be a place of growth and knowledge and wisdom and joy. You'll energize your, your mate by one thing every day, respect. But when you start taking her for granted, you're in trouble. When you start taking your parents for granted, you're in trouble. Honor thy father and thy mother, and it will be well with thee, and thy days will be long. And so first of all, I see, and this summarizes it. We're going to get to it in a minute in verse uh, 12. But folks, the greatest thing you can do is to teach your children to fear God. And folks, when they get they get off and they're on their own, and they know to how they know God and they love God. What is the fear of God? Knowing God knows. That'll keep somebody straight in the dark seat back seat of a car. That'll keep somebody straight when they're out of town. That'll keep you straight when nobody's around. Because if you live just to please men, then you fear man. You don't fear God. Amen. We ought to fear God. And I'll tell you something, the way to teach boys and girls to fear God is that mom and daddy fear God. That you respect God enough to read your Bible every day. That you respect God enough to be in church when the doors are open. You respect God during the song service to sing, even though you don't have a clue how that song goes. Amen. Uh, you sing. You get the words. You're like my, that mama, my grandmother that I referred to Wednesday night. Uh, she read through the Bible every year. And when she came to a long word like Mephibosheth, she had said she spelled it out that she wouldn't miss the blessing. I want to tell you something. I remember that. I remember that instruction. When I'm reading my Bible and I get to a word that I can't pronounce, I just spell it out because my grandmother spelled it out. And I want to tell you something, friend. She had a prayer life. And she kept praying for Daddy, and Daddy got saved after a year, years and years of alcoholism. Because she had, he had a praying mama. And folks, I want to tell you something. He had a mama that feared God. Do you fear God? Does your children fear God? I want to tell you something. The greatest compliment you could ever have is that your children fear God. They just respect him. It's an awesome awareness of his greatness. That's the fear of God. It's an awful dread to displease him. That's the fear of God. And that's what you want in your children's life. Yes, they ought to please you. Yes, they ought to please mama. They ought to respect mama. And I, that's one thing that really got me, and sometimes I over-discipline my children, is when they show disrespect to mama. They knew they'd cross the line if they ever disrespected mama. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. You teach that, then you teach that, hey, God's real. God's right. God loves you, God knows best, and God is God. And then I see purity. The Bible says, Thou ought to fear the Lord thy God and keep all thy statutes and his commandments, which I command thee. There's purity, purity. Thou and thy son, thy sons, all the days of life, that thy days may be prolonged. And then there's, not, there's a long life. I believe, my friend, that when uh, you meet somebody that's older, 
You can just ask them this question and they'll answer yes every time. Did you obey your parents? I'm telling you, if you disobey your parents, your life can be shortened. I had a dear friend uh, down in Claxton and he got in rebellion against his son and I want to tell you something, he died at the age of 17. I preached his funeral because he went against God's ordained leadership in his life, his mama, his godly mama, his godly deacon daddy, and he went against them, and God took him out of here. I didn't say he went to hell, but I said he went home earlier because he was destroying the testimony of his parents and of his God. Folks, God will shorten your life because he said he'll prolong your life. And folks, he'll bless your life. Look at verse 3. He'll give you prosperity. It says, Hear therefore, O Israel. We're in Deuteronomy 6. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. Don't you, don't you want it well with your children? And that, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of the fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. You know, I want my, fam- I want my children to be successful. And I believe they are. I want my children to be prosperous, and I believe they are. And folks, I'm talking about spiritually. You can have all the things of this world, and what does it profit a man if you have a wonderful mansion and a house, but he doesn't have a home? What does it profit a man if you have children and they all clothed with designer jeans and the little alligators in their place on the on the breast of their little, their little shirt. And they got the top of the line tennis shoes that cost $99.95. Amen. I used to wear US kids that cost $5. My mother had to sacrifice to get those. High tops. Hallelujah. White socks. I wore white socks because one day I went to gym class and I had pink socks on. We matched our shirts in those days. And I forgot my gym, uh, my white socks. I'll never forget that. And I dressed out with my gold uh, gym shorts and my gold top. We had to dress out in those days in PE, but I had my pink socks on. I was a freshman. I won't tell you, I will not tell you what those seniors did to me. But I believe today is the reason I do not have hairs because they turned their senior rings over and they beat my head in. Amen. And I can't grow hair because of that. I blame it on them. But I want to tell you something, friend. We all get hung up on what we wear and if it's in style. And I want to tell you something, friend. What we need to wear is the presence of God and we need to be prosperous in his sight. We need to please God rather than man. And we need to fear God rather than fear that we'll not be accepted by men. This peer pressure is killing our children. They need to have positive peer pressure. They need to have an inward peer pressure. I want to tell you what that peer pressure is. It's the Holy Ghost saying, that's right. It's the Holy Ghost that says, that'll crown God as Lord. It's the Holy Ghost that says, hey, that's right, no matter if your parents are around or not. That pleases God, say amen. The little girl, young girl, teenager, that was uh, breaking curfew, and she told her date, says, I got to go home. She says, why, you got to go home? You think your daddy will hurt you when you get home? He says, no. I'm afraid I'll hurt him. Folks, there ought to be some respect. There ought to be some honor. 
And folks, the only way you teach that is you honor God, parents. You honor God, mom and daddy. You raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You raise them up in the presence of Almighty God. Every day, fear of God, purity, long life, prosperity is results in the compensation for godly instruction. Number three, a child's uh, a chief truth is in this instruction. It's found in verse four and five. Look at this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You know what you ought to teach your children? He's God. You know what you ought to teach your children? There's nobody like him. And there's nobody worthy of giving your life for. You know, we, we do all kinds of crazy things for employers and for coaches and for others. And folks, that's all good and it should be uh, fine, but I want to tell you something, friend. There's one other that you ought to please God. Uh, you ought to please, and that's God Almighty because He's God Almighty. He's God. There's no other like Him. He's Lord. He's still on the throne. And He has a right to rule and reign in your life because He saved your unworthy soul. He's Lord. He's Lord. But then also I believe that we ought to teach them the cherishing of God. The cherishing of God. Look at verse 5. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Now that's instructions on how to have a Christian home. Folks, you ought to cherish God. You know what? I believe that your attitude towards church is reflected in your children. If you don't want to go to church, they won't want to go to church. By the way, I've never seen a beginner, I've never seen a four and five-year-old drive yet. They don't come to church, it's your fault, mom and daddy. Say amen right there. I've never seen a baby show up at the nursery and say, how did you get here? I just walked. <laughs> no, folks, I'm going to tell you something. They had a mom and daddy that loved God, honored God, respected God, and thought this was the place to be. And you know something? Children grow up and say, this is a place to be. It's not rope burns. It's not being whipped. It's not being coerced. It's not being forced. And it's not being bribed. Come to the house of God. Is this is the place to be. This is a place where the Word of God's preached. This is a place where the God Almighty's worshiped. And they come in here with a smile on their face. They got the new tennis shoes on, praise God, in style or out of style. They got their suspenders all buttoned up. They got the little bow tie on because Daddy wanted them to look like him. And praise God, here he comes, strutting down the hall saying, I'm in the house of God again, amen. I'm in a place where I can be loved. I'm in a place of peace and joy. If you knew some of the stories I know that I can't share with you about our, our little kids that ride on that rescue vehicle, that little yellow bus and those vans, Brother Travis, it'd break your heart what kids have to live in and what they've had to endure all their life. And they come out of that dark, uh, hollow, horrid atmosphere and they walk in this place and they start smiling immediately because there's a Sunday school teacher to meet them at the door. There's already a bus captain that's already hugged their neck. There's somebody that said, I love you. There's somebody that's taught them the word of God and disciplined them. And praise God, they're in a place of security and peace and love and light. And even a little laughter wouldn't hurt once in a while. Say amen. And so, folks, we ought to teach them to love God. But they'll never love God until you love God. 
They'll never love God until you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a little duty. It's not a little routine. It's not some chore to come to the house of God. You count the moments because your heart longeth after God. Your heart panteth after the water book of God's word. And folks, it's reflected in your attitude. And God forbid during the age of zero and eight, if you worship the gift that God's given you and you just enjoy each other and enjoy your children without enjoying God, you've left out the essential foundation for their, their life. The foundation is Christ. All other ground is seeking sand. If you don't believe it, look at the society and see how they're making it without God. It's a mess, isn't it? I don't know any other word to call it but a mess. That's a South Georgia term. It means it's total chaos. And folks, you can make a difference. You can make a difference by teaching them the character of God and teach them to cherish God. And then I want you to know, fourthly, I see the consecration in the, in the instruction. How should we instruct our children? Look at verse 6. It says, And the words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. I like that, don't you? Folks, it starts with us. It just, the Lord's got to be in our heart. You can't take somebody where you've never been. If you're not saved, Mom and Daddy, how in the world are you going to reach your children? You're going to let them go to hell? No, I wouldn't let my children go to hell. Well, don't you go with them. And don't you, uh, don't you paint the path towards hell. There's a highway to hell. It's wide and it's gaping. And the world celebrates being on the highway to hell. You need to take the narrow path. You need to take the path of Calvary. You need to take the path of Bible study. You need to take the path of holiness and loving God with all your heart and all your soul. And folks, I want to tell you something. The principle is this. In verse 7 it says, And there, and thou shalt teach them. Thou shalt teach them. Who's thou? Parents. The principle to teach is them. You teach them. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There is no substitute for a mama's teaching. The law of mama. And there's no substitute for the teaching of of a spirit-filled daddy. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it very kindly. Daycare is not the answer for society. God help us not to sacrifice our children on the altar of a career. They need you. They need your teaching. They need to see you daily in the Word of God. They need to see you daily loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. The principle to teach is the Word of God. The people to teach, it says, you'll teach thy children. Look at it. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Teach them. You teach the Word of God. You teach the commandments of God. You teach, thus saith the Lord, say amen, with authority that God is not saying, I suggest this, I command you to live for me. And I loved you enough to die for you. And then the people that do the teaching, it says, thy children. Look at it. Thou shalt teach them diligently, that's the word of God, them, and to the children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house. Thou shalt talk of them. 
That's the parents. And then the passion for teaching is found here. It says, Thou shalt talk with them and sit in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and thou shalt be a frontlet between thy, thy eyes. I want you to see it real quickly. In verse 7, it says, Thou shalt teach them diligently. You know what that means? On purpose. But you know what that means? With some enthusiasm. Amen? We teach our children everything with enthusiasm. Oh, you got to make money. You got to be educated. You got, and I think you ought to be. I think you ought to at least pass. Say amen. Praise God. But I want to tell you this, friend. Diligent means you teach your children to memorize the word of God. And it's not just memorizing in master club either. It's memorizing at home. And it's not just for a crown, but it's to crown them with God's presence, God's power, and God's protection. The word of God is a boundary. The word of God will, will help keep your children on the straight and narrow. The word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Sin is dangerous. Sin will hurt your children. Sin will ruin their future. Folks, it's not a gun problem. It's a heart problem, and it's a sin problem we have in the United States of America. But I'll say this, friend. We need to start in the home. What's the period of the te teaching? That final phrase says, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. That kind of summarizes it, don't it? That means from the time you get up to the time you, you uh, go to bed. There ought to be one theme in your home, Jesus. You say, well, preacher, uh, I believe Sunday morning's enough, and I'll try to make it Sunday school if I can. I want to tell you something. If you've got small children, that's not enough. You need to come back on Sunday night. You need to go back on Wednesday night. But I'll tell you something. That's not enough. You need on Monday morning live for Jesus. On Monday morning, you ought to have music in your home that glorifies God not some country or rock music that glorifies sin. Oh, I ain't going that far. My word. You mean I got to have a whole new lifestyle? You got it, daddy. You got it, mama. If God is entrusting you with children, he wants you to day and night, from the time you get up to the time you lie down, glorify Jesus. Worship Jesus. Promote Jesus. Teach Jesus. Instruct Jesus. You say, well, I really don't want to make them fanatic. Well, let me tell you something. The word fanatic means fan, and the word fan means ardent follower. And I want to tell you something. You ought to make them more than a fan of the Braves. You ought to make them a fan and an ardent follower of God. Because those Braves will let you down. Amen. Those Falcons, come on, Brother Alec. Those Falcons will let you down. Remember that time we got prideful at halftime watching the Super Bowl on a Sunday night after church. Started calling up my friends and rubbing it in. And then at the end of the game, I had to repent with ashes and mourning. They'll let you down. But I want to tell you something. I'm on, the, I'm on the side of Almighty God. He'll never let you down. And he went to Calvary and bought your salvation. 
and he's coming again, and he, and he, and he rose, and he, and he not only arose, but he ascended, and he's ever living on the right hand of God, and he's the only one that deserves your day-by-day devotion supremely. Say amen. Now, you ought to be a devoted employee. If you're going to be on a ball team, be a devoted ball player. But praise God, I'm telling you, there's something more important, that your children love God more than they love this world. And they love God more than they love themselves. You're living in an egotistic world. It's all about me, myself, and I. And folks, we're really raising a spoiled generation, if we'll be honest. It's all about them, folks. It's all not about them. It's about him. And we ought to teach our children, God's more important than me. God's more important than my things. God's more important than anything I could do or achieve. God is God. God is God alone. So the period of teachings every day, day in, day out. It's a full-time job being a mama. It's a full-time job being a daddy. And don't you ever apologize for being it. And don't you lose your children in this high-pressured society of being successful. Because what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his children? Mm, it's getting quiet in here. I didn't expect an amen, but I at least expected a, a look up here. Number five, the customs and the instruction. Verse eight, the Bible says this, and thou shalt, don't you love the word of God? It says, and thou shalt bind them upon the sign of thy hand Thou shalt put a frontless between thine eyes. Praise God, they wore the scripture. Look at verse 9. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. What, what decorates your house? Do you have any scripture anywhere? I was at a place eating some Mexican food yesterday. Plan on doing it again today. <laughs> and, uh, Next door was a thrift store, and I wanted to go in that thrift store so bad. My wife wouldn't let me, but she knew I'd buy it. There's a big old plaque that said, the best is yet to come. I thought, praise God. I like that. The best is yet to come. I ought to put that in the bathroom. (laughs) Put that in the shower. Put that in the living room. Put it by the dining hall, amen. Put it in the garage. The best is yet to come. Amen. Heard of a lady one time that was uh, had a request, unusual request, and they and they fulfilled that request. Reminds me of Rick Persley's request about that U Hallet that he had behind his hearse, and he did that to make fun of me. And I was in South Africa and didn't get to enjoy it. But she put up. She said, "I want a fork in my hand, in my casket, not a Bible, but a fork." And everybody went by that cast and said, well, what is Sister Sue doing here? She's got a fork in her hand. She said she wanted to give you this message. The best is yet to come. But see, she always picked up her dessert fork because she always was hooked on desserts. And folks, she was saying, hey, listen, the best is yet to come, heaven, heaven. Folks, I want to ask you a question. Does your children live for the nasty now and now or the sweet by and by? Does your children live to be pleased and to be pleasing? And to please others, God help them if they do. 
because that others will sweep them down the gutter called peer pressure or they live to please God. And I believe the way you do that is from day one. You know, in the Bible, they didn't, in those days, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have books. They had to post them. They had to memorize the Word of God and post them. And folks, they put it between the frontlets of their eyes. Amen. That, that means that's a battalion. That's going forth. Amen. They put it on the headdress. They had Scripture. They lived by Scripture. <laughs> this is going to make some of you mad, but I'm not trying to make you mad. You know, today, people are getting tattooed all over their bodies to show their devotion and character. You know, I love the Braves. I'll tell you what's embarrassing. Somebody says, I love Lucy, and they break up with Lucy. <laughs> what do you do now? <laughs> Wear long sleeves. No, <laughs> I, love, I love Lucy. She didn't get offended. She don't have tattoos. But anyway, listen. Listen to me. We ought to put the we ought to tattoo our heart. Amen. I mean, the word of God ought to be in our heart. It ought to be on our countenance. It ought to be in our soul. That's what this is saying. That's what it's saying. The word of God's saying it. He says, listen, put it on the frontlets of between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post. Put it all over your house. Put some godly posters up. Amen. Not of some rock and roll group or some country artist that drinks and uh, um, uh, runs around, been married seven times. Look at the character of some of these people you lift up as heroes in your home. I'll tell you something, you'll never go wrong putting the Word of God up in your children's hearts. You'll never go wrong by making him the hero of their life. Can somebody say amen? We need to have the Word of God everywhere. And here I'll get to the positive part. We'll have the Word of God on our iPads. We'll have the Word of God on our iPhones. Say amen. Come on. It's in the office. Amen. Don't leave home without it. Folks, we ought to realize that the Word of God should be in our headsets. Come on now. Say amen right there now. We listen to the Word of God. We listen to scriptural songs. We don't get hypnotized by social media, by video games. I'm really concerned about the next generation if they're going to be able to even talk to the next generation. Because, you know, they're so shy, they got a text. You better watch about that text. One time I sent a text and I couldn't get it back, amen? And spell check, woo, it was awful. Spell check changed the word. And it went out to the ladies that wanted to have a yard sale or something around here. About five or six ladies in this church got a cuss word from the preacher. Now, that's embarrassing. You know what I did? I wrote another thing. I said, you know I didn't mean that. That was spell check. And they said, oh, we didn't know that. We thought you was cussing this morning. Amen. <laughs> you need to learn to talk to people. You need to learn to eye to eye. Amen. You need to relate to people. Folks, don't get hypnotized by media. Can somebody say amen? Boy, everybody's afraid to. It's going to hurt Susie's life. I want to tell you something. They ought to get more than a life. They ought to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the local church, and each other. You say you're too old-fashioned. You might call me old-fashioned, but I'm going to go buy this book. 
And then the idolatry problem. Let me close by saying this. My time's up. I can't believe it. You take off one week and you want to preach an hour. But verse 10 says this. Thou shalt be when thou, the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land. Isn't that beautiful? Set them free from slavery. That's exactly what happened when you got saved. Split the Red Sea. And praise God, you went into the promised land of the abundant life. It says, which ye sweared unto the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee a great and goodly city. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all been blessed this morning? I had a real problem this morning. I had a hard time trying to pick out the right tie among a hundred, at least a hundred ties. I don't throw anything away. And so my whole closet's got ties everywhere, amen? I don't have suits, but I got some good ties, amen? And some of y'all don't even believe in ties, so you don't get this illustration, but I want to say I've been blessed. I think about these little children that are starving overseas. I think about these children that uh, they're in bomb shelters a hundred times in the last five days because their, their home's being bombed in Israel and Palestine. I think about people that wake up this morning and their, their greatest adventure is they've got to go out in the streets and try to find a crumb to eat because they're starving to death. Folks, I want to tell you what the idolatry can be in our life. Prosperity. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. And I says, I'll give you houses full of all good things. How many of y'all got a good place to live? Raise your hand. Come on, say amen. Come on. Amen. I, could, I, I love vacation, but I couldn't wait to get home to my chair. You ever, anybody got your chair? Amen. And nobody else should sit in that chair. Steve, when he comes over, he sits in that chair every time. We, he won't let me sit there the whole time. I said, I'm going to push you in the floor, boy. That's my that's the king's chair, amen. My wife got tired of me fussing about it. She went and bought me one of those things where you push the button and it reclines. Woo! And then, then so I won't miss any of the ball game, it, it, you hit another button and your head goes up. Amen? I'm just waiting for that vibration and that heater to come on, amen? I hadn't found that yet. We've been blessed. Praise God. I had a car that made it to Florida and back. Some people are walking. Sometimes when I get feeling a little down and out, I run across somebody that's got everything they own on a stinking bicycle going up Doug Gap Road, and I say, I wonder where they're going. They don't know where they're going. Jim, they don't have no house. They don't have no home. They don't have the next meal. And folks, if you're not careful, this is what this word's saying. Houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and, and wells dig that thou diggest not, vineyards, listen now, and olive trees from planteth not, though thou shalt have eaten and be full. It says, Then beware, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Your children's got a lot but they ever forget where it came from. They've lost it all. God's blessed them. So oh, it's my hardworking daddy. Who do you think gave your daddy character to get up and work 12 hours a day? Who do you think gave your daddy wisdom to know how to hold that job up and even to find the job 
and go to work and be on time. Who you, who you think gave your mama the, the, the patience and the, and the love to deal with you when you was a brat? I'm preaching now, praise God. I'm, I'm a rare back preach. Praise God. If there's anything good, it coming from above. If there's anything good in your life, God's done it. And that'd be a great lesson to teach all our children. It's God. And we ought to realize his character. He's God. But we need to cherish him, to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Don't forget. And then he goes in verse 12. I see it again. It says, then beware thou, thou forget not the Lord. No, verse 13. Well, let's go ahead and read last half of verse 12. It's so wonderful. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Let me just say this, friend. It'd do, it'd do us good every day to think about where we came from. Come on. Where, where would you be today if it wasn't for God? What would you be living in, children, if it wasn't for godly parents? What would you what would you be experiencing tomorrow if it wasn't for God? You'd probably be hungry and homeless. You might be wicked and ruthless. But God saved your unworthy soul. God gave you godly parents. And folks, we need to not forget it. And then verse 13, I'll close, my time's up. It says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Verse 13 says, serve the Lord. You ought to be firm. That means swearing, affirming that something's true. Verse 13 says it real, real plain, and thou shalt swear by his name. You know what we need today? We need unwavering testimonies of children that love God because mom and daddy love God and they're not going to sway. True and steadfast. Amen. I listened to one of my favorite preachers last week, and it wasn't Kevin Hall. It was Jason Cofield. And I sat back and I said, boy, that's a good point. That's good. That's Jude. That's good. That's where we're at. And I want to tell you something. That was better than any three-pointer he's ever put up at Southeast High or Shorter College or wherever he's thrown the basketball at. It's better. It's better. It's better than him going out here and making thousands and thousands of dollars that he knows God and knows God's word and is able to fill in when his daddy is out of town partying it up. No, uh, on vacation. Firm. How firm a foundation. I want to say this. I thank God for my mama. I was a mama's boy and I admit it. She gave me a firm foundation. She'd wake me up on Sunday morning and say, we're going to church. I said, I don't feel like going to church. She said, I don't care. You ain't going to turn out like your blooming daddy. And she'd rip the sheets off. It was embarrassing when you're 21 years old and she does that. <laughs> Here we go to Sunday school and RAs and GAs and work day and business meetings and uh, everything that the church had. Here we went. She'd usually walk us to church while daddy was hungover, but usually daddy came too because he knew 
If he didn't go to Sunday school and church, there wasn't going to be no peace in the house of God or in the house of the Cofields. And probably nothing to eat. She was tough. But I call her blessed. Because I had a foundation. Don't waver, be firm. And then we ought to forbid some things. Look at verse 14. I'll just read these and we'll go. You shall not go after other gods and the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest he... Lest the anger of the Lord, Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. I do not want my children to be under the judgment of God. And one of the worst judgments is letting sin take its course. For the wage of sin is death, but it's a lot of misery on the way. Just don't make God angry. Verse 15 says, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God. And then we need to teach them there's punishment in, in, this, uh, in this idolatry. It says he'll destroy thee off the face of the earth. You know what God's will for your life is and your family? The abundant life. Peace, joy, love, and purpose. And it all starts with obeying the commandment of God to teach your children diligently. And to teach them the character of God, he's one Lord, but teach them to cherish God, love him. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for this passage. Lord, we know it all depends on being filled with the Spirit of God. To worship you and to teach your word. God, I'll thank you for entrusting us as parents to train up our children to fear God to respect you, to love you, to honor you with their life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, have me say, preacher, this morning, God's word has challenged my heart. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to be fickle. I don't want to go with the flow of the world. I just want to stay by the word of God. And I want to stay in love with God. And I want my children to see Jesus in my life. This goes for you grandparents too. Because that third verse says, and the son's sons. And that's your prayer this morning. Would you raise your hand high for prayer? i got to raise both mine. Oh, I tell you what, it's only the grace of God that my children love God. It's only the grace of God they love this church. I know a lot of preachers' kids that went, I mean, they went astray. They don't have nothing to do with daddy's God. But I want to tell you something, friend. This the joy of my life was when my children love God and love His truth. Is there anyone here say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure would like to be, and I know if I get saved, maybe somebody else will be saved. It might be my children. It might be my grandchildren. I just want you to pray for me that I'll get saved before it's too late. Does anyone just slip your hand up real high and say, Preacher, pray for me. I can't take nobody anywhere that I hadn't been, and I'm not saved, and I sure would like to be. Anyone? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the service. I pray this has been a message this morning. I know it's been a message in my heart. I want to be a better daddy. I want to be a better papa. I just want to be a better husband. I want to love my wife more. I want to cherish the times we have together because one day we won't have those times together. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to not just cherish each other, but God, cherish you every day 
as we read our Bible and pray. God, as we bear each other's burdens and bear other people's burdens. God, as we minister our children, our grandchildren, that they'll see God. That's our prayer this morning in Jesus' name.